0: Hello and welcome to All of the Above. I'm James Brown, thanks for joining me. You can check out my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. And of course, like, share, and subscribe, that really helps the show. This is the latest in a series of interviews with people who work in the love industry, for lack of a better term. That's part of what, how I would describe what Jenny White does on the internet. She's the owner of lovepill.com. Among her services is coaching nice guys, like myself, at least <laughs> I would qualify myself as a nice guy. Jenny, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's nice to be here with you, James.
0: What part of the world are you from?
1: Well, actually, I'm from Nevada, but I live in Texas now. So I'm, I'm a native Las Vegas, native of Las Vegas.
0: Awesome. So, so was it was it a an active choice, or did it just sort of happen to you moving from? moving to Texas.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a business thing. My husband and I have a business that, um, he wanted to set up here as like a main thing. So <laughs> we're probably even going to move deeper South. So <laughs> might be looking at Alabama or something. <laughs>
0: what's your, so, what's your rationale?
1: It's just, um, uh, nicer here. I don't know. I, I grew up in Nevada and I just kind of wanted to get out of there. You know, I asked my dad when I was a kid, I was like, do I have to stay in Nevada? You know, I was like, no, there's 49 other states you can live in. Right. And the rest of the world, you know. <laughs> so um, we just picked, picked up uh, our roots and uh, took my family and decided to try it out. It's working out really well. So
0: <laughs> is it cultural? Because it's, it's not the heat.
1: No, um, and there's no place hotter than Las Vegas, except for the really humid places. Because Las Vegas is really dry. So, you know, <laughs> it's a lot more tolerable than a even just a ninety-five degree h- humid place. So I don't know, just I I like the south. I I, <laughs> I love the southern hospitality and, and the people are just wonderful. So
0: yeah. Good. It is something I'd like to experience more of myself. It is something that I've sort of been eyeing. I I live in Western New York, so sort of Mm. I'm in the Northeast for sure. So I, 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 yeah, I'd I'd like to experience it more. And uh, the the Southern hospitality sounds sounds about right.
1: Yeah. Nobody's ever rude, (laughs) which is really funny because... You know, and all the other places, like Las Vegas, there's a fair share of rude people. You keep you go into LA, the people are even rude, more rude there. So, you know, (laughs) nobody's ever rude here, which is, it's really nice. I love the Southern hospitality a lot.
0: (laughs) And Vegas, to go there for a few more seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. It, how big is the line of demarcation behind the everyday Vegas resident and the people who flock there to just gamble and drink and, and party?
1: Oh, it, 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 we don't go to the tourist area. or we I didn't spend time in the tourist areas. <laughs> Locals don't do what the tourists do. <laughs> There's a local casinos and local attractions for people that they frequent, whereas the tourists... Gentis- generally tend to stay there like i I didn't spend much time on the strip when i lived there you know (laughs) when i was younger i did um but you know as i started to get older you just don't want to have anything to do with the strip unless you work there and i did work on the strip for a little while and (laughs) but other than that you don't really want to have anything to do with it
0: yeah (laughs) i i do get that sense in most touristy areas anywhere i go that Mm-hmm. They're not for the locals,
1: yeah, no, they're <laughs> most people that live in Las Vegas, a, a good percentage of them they they don't have anything to do with the strip. They don't have anything to do with the resorts or anything like that unless they work there. So yeah
0: <laughs> so i I, I want to pivot to love and, okay. and, and 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 as I said, I wanted to speak with a number of different people who sort of work in an industry where they're, they're trying to help people along the way. So let's just broadly, why, why are you going down this path? Why have you gone down this path?
1: Well, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I, it wasn't something that I necessarily intended to do. I was following um, Alexander Cortez on, Instagram, and he <laughs> was decimating all kinds of information about modern culture and what a lot of these young people are going through and trying to find love. And he was giving a bit of his own slant on his own advice, and um, I I was addicted to his stories, and I I got inspired by what he was writing and divulging about it. And I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and and give my old slant, you know, because I'm I'm Gen X and a lot of the things that I see nowadays just did not plain did not exist <laughs> for young people, especially when I was young. And I thought, I- I'm just going to talk, see if I can have a bit of a common sense slant to this. And it, all of a sudden, just all these young people, 75% of the people that follow me on Instagram or follow my work are under 30. Wow. And with a, a very large percentage of them being Gen Z So I talked to people day to day who are, you know, close to my children's age my children are Gen Z. But um, I just started to talk about these things in a more, I guess in a way that makes a lot of sense to them. And they were really taken in by it. And and I just started posting my own stories, started posting my own content on my front page. I started to pick up a following. And then before I knew it, a few months later, five, six months later, I had guys asking me for coaching. So, and then they were asking for books and blogs. So I was like, okay, then I guess I should write about it too. And again, it wasn't something that I had necessarily planned to do. It was just, I was just wanting to share my viewpoints and um, people latched onto that. It was a, a, um, a more rational, common sense type voice. Among all this noise out here, and there's even more noise now than there was then when I started. (laughs) A lot of the things that I see now, I'm just like, "You, that this has to be a a parody or a satirical reality." A lot of the things that I see, I I just can't believe it because I doesn't seem real. It's just so ridiculous that it doesn't seem real. (laughs) So, you know, I and and that's all she wrote. I've been doing it ever since. I'm glad to help these young people, especially.
0: How many years are we talking?
1: Um, it's bit I started December it, October of twenty twenty, I wanna say. I had my Instagram page, I started to post stories around that time. So yeah, and then um yeah, since then uh, so two and a half years now. Yeah.
0: And I I really want to break apart your response there, because I think there's a lot of interesting pieces there. Okay. You went from zero to a few months with people begging you for more assistance, more intensive assistance. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And these are mostly men.
1: Um, No, I have a fair share of women, too.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I guess I kind of emphasize how much I need to help men because I think that uh, if we get the men straightened out, then the women will get straightened out. Fair enough. Because I believe in in leadership in terms of men. So I love working with men. Um, I've had the most success working with men. They just seem to really get it when I when I coach them, they get in there and they're like, oh, I, I'm going to do this. This is how it, it should be done. Everything that you're telling me makes sense. And then they get in there and do it and they have tremendous results and it changes their entire outlook on everything from even just like career choices or, you know, doing well with women. I mean, it's just a complete transformational adjustment for them. So yeah, it's... I I really enjoy working with the men the most (laughs) because they really, they really just get in there and get their hands dirty and, and go to work.
0: So (laughs) Success. Well, get what, what, what are fellas like myself asking you for what don't we understand that you are providing?
1: Even just the most simplest interaction with women like what how to talk to a woman how to have a uh a great date with them nowadays there's a lot of really for lack of a better term and i say this a lot dorky things that people do <laughs> let's go have a coffee together or you know let, let's go hiking on a first date while the woman is dressed to the nines wearing a you know high heel shoes and stuff like that things like that so the most basic type of things where it, you know, if they, they can't break the ice with a woman or, or um, talk to her in a way that is stimulating and, and gets her kind of juices flowing or her mind going a little bit. Instead they, when they come to me, well, I, I don't, I just don't know where to start in the conversation and I get ghosted or the conversation falls off and she's not interested in me anymore. And, 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 you know, so I, I get these guys <laughs> and this has happened several times. I'll get a guy and, you know, I have, I tell them exactly what to do, how to take the woman on a date. And I've written about it and it, get, it goes, it gets from them to being ghosted and dusted by these women to that, to the women throwing themselves at them because they know how to show them such a, a great time out on the town and, and have Just their masculine presence and and the body language that I instruct them to use. And it's not like they're even being sexual with women at all. They're just presenting themselves in such a profoundly masculine way that is so different uh, as opposed to the way that they they were presenting themselves before. That's very powerful. (laughs) So powerful that the woman is like, oh, you know, I found exactly what I'm looking for. I'll do whatever you want to do. <laughs> and I, at one of my my star client, I've done a little bit of collaboration with him. He met his wife that soon to be wife that way. They're getting married in September. So he had before he met me, he he went through about a dozen dates that just fizzled out. He he just couldn't keep. Keep the tempo going, couldn't keep the conversation going in any way. So then he did what I told him to do, <laughs> and, then, and again the woman she threw him threw herself at him, but he was like, "I'm going to take it slow with this woman," you know. And then they started to date over a period of time, and that, then he proposed. Now they're going to get married. So.
0: <laughs> I have I have so much. <laughs> Let's let's start with uh, with one of the things you pointed to. You pointed to younger people. You also mm-hmm. mentioned that you're you Gen X. Mm-hmm. What are younger people not understanding? How did we get to the point of the dorky have a date with a with a uh, with a woman dressed in a nine to the nines at a picnic? guy how how how, how do we get there what is what broke in between gen x that where, where you learn what you've learned uh-huh. i'm assuming it was more common
1: oh yeah yeah we <laughs> well i mean a, a lot of it had to do with the fact that everything that we had to do uh was in person we didn't have phone screens we we didn't even have phones you know er, er, um every little interaction That we would have with the opposite sex was completely dependent on doing it in person so the guys were smooth then like they had to be otherwise they wouldn't get any results you know um it's just a totally different climate in that way and i and so many people are isolated using their phone spending all their time on the phone um and they're becoming socially awkward because of that, because they don't have to put their best self forward. You know, if they're behind a phone screen and a, a, a lot of lines get crossed where, um, people misinterpret texts or something, or you see, or they say something that's so awkward over a text and it immediately turns the other person off, you know? Whereas in my generation, we did not have that <laughs> luxury at all. We couldn't hide behind a phone screen. If we wanted to hit on someone or the, and we wanted results with them, we had to put our, our best self out there. And it was just ingrained in our culture. Um, boys did boy things. Like The big thing with us was BMX for, for the men in our generation, BMX, X games and stuff like that. And then we would go and watch them perform you know none of us girls tried to get in there and compete with the guys or anything we just wanted to watch and i think that was a uh so important for young men then because it was a it gave them a separate identity from the women and they were they could excel at something that we could admire them about greatly you know that we couldn't do oh well, i'm going to go watch my like they I'm gonna go watch my boyfriend play football it's like i'm gonna go watch my boyfriend race bmx and there was a lot of pro- male pride in that culture like men, boys were expected to be boys now it's like the they're not being encouraged to even be boys in any capacity just sit at, sit at home on your phone Socially isolated. Don't do anything cool. Don't do anything that you know. My, you might get a couple bruises on the knee, skin knee or something. You know, <laughs> our, our guys were rugged and they had game. And now I, you know, I find myself, especially with millennial guys, getting them, <laughs> getting and getting the dork out of them and getting them to feel like men. You know. <laughs>
0: see this is one of the, the things that's fascinating for me because uh, i'm I'm not exactly sure how old you are you're gen x i'm guessing uh i would guess mid 40s yeah i'm 46. I, i'm 39. Uh-huh. so i'm like right in the middle there and i i see mm-hmm. kind of both worlds you're describing i remember when i remember dial up internet like i remember mm-hmm. like asking girls out before even having a cell phone when I, when I went to college in the mid 2000s, mm. we didn't like, I, I had my first phone like late, you know, late on in college, you know, like, so I, 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 vividly remember this clear world of sort of being existing and interacting with people without the phone on you as a constant thing, you, you were literally, whether it's a cordless phone or, or you were at home, <laughs> and Sometimes mm-hmm. even at that point, a pay phone, even at that point. Um, Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and I look at these younger cats, even getting 30 and younger, and they have no sense of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. they grow they've been raised with their with their face in a phone screen and and the the dopamine that people are chasing from that so you know (laughs) um we didn't have that in my generation if we the only dopamine we got was like a glancing at the person that you liked in fifth period or whatever and having them check you out or uh, uh, some candy. (laughs) We could uh, eat, you know, dum-dums lollipops or something like that. And then uh, maybe going on the water slide and then riding our bike on a hill where we have to do a jump or something. That was like the extent of dopamine that we got. We didn't get a constant rush of attention from people you know, in, in the palm of your hand, in women's case, they can get attention from hundreds of guys for posting a provocative photo. And then men can go on and look at any variety of different types of women sexualizing themselves. You know, we didn't have those things. So therefore we were able to have, uh, in in in-person interactions that actually were meaningful, more meaningful. (laughs)
0: you know <laughs> by the way uh it would be jumping a bit ahead for me but only fans and the state of instagram as a yeah. ecosystem that most of these people are plugged in through these screens were on my list of things I, I definitely wanted to bring up with you sure but before we get there I I'd, I'd like to 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 speak to some of the things you brought up in mm-hmm. the socially awkward social isolation, you're married to this screen. This screen is is controlling how you interact with the world. Mm-hmm. Thankfully I'm in a relationship now. But like, about a year ago I was not. Mm-hmm. And being right in that middle world that I described a bit ago, you get mm-hmm. out and as I knew it, you would approach women in public you'd approach them in a bar in that public place. And it seemed as if the phone had become, even though they were in that public place, the phone had separated them from being in that public place. Right. Mm -hmm. And I found myself asking the question, if the phone if the phone is separating you from being present uh, uh, ostensibly to meet new people, I would imagine if you're at a bar or you're in a public place, mm-hmm. it seems like a contradictory thing. But it seems like it's also a thing you can't control. Like, you can't put it down. You can't get away from it. And, you know, I'm guilty of this, too. I carry my phone around. But... Mm-hmm. um. It's, it, and and in your descriptions of sort of like getting in, uh, having these folks in this constant haze of dopamine mm-hmm. seems to have hampered basic communication.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, the way people that they treat each other, it's like you're just another number in their phone. <laughs> So if you're a guy and you're trying to talk to some really attractive woman and, you know, she's got a lot of followers or something, just even just an attractive woman, you can bet that that woman's got hundreds of guys in her messages at any moment trying to make a move on her. And a lot of the guys are doing it in the cheesiest, simpiest way possible. So whenever I talk to guys, it's I I, or even women, I feel like I. It's strange of me to have to say this, but I have written about it in the past. I said you have to give people like a shock. You have to give them a shockwave interaction to where it the, it curtails the dopamine and then they it brings them back to the present to the to where they can acknowledge you in like a way that is meaningful. So for example, if if a guy is asking you for nudes or something you don't know him mm-hmm. You just leave them on red, <laughs> or send them a the little skull emoji, like <laughs> I'm dead, and then leave it. Stuff like that. You you literally have to do that to keep people's attention. Otherwise, you're just as predictable. You have this. You have a, a, Your days are numbered. <laughs> and if you it, it, a lot of these guys will get into a woman's DMs. Uh, using the same type of pickup lines, or they're not even pickup lines. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're. Oh, and then she's on the other side of the screen looking at her. Another guy who's another dork who's telling me I'm beautiful. Right? You know, there. There's no differentiation between these people. They don't set themselves apart in any way. So a lot of what I have to do is tell these folks to, like I said, do it trip up their dopamine with some maneuver then it's even uh something as basic as giving them silence like for instance i have a gal that was in my dms yesterday and i've been talking to her over an extended period of time she's like how do i handle a man who's being a jerk to me um being moody or whatever over texts and i i have been emphasizing for months now i was like Give him some silence. <laughs> if he does, if, if he's being a jerk over text, just uh, just don't even talk to him. Let him give him some time to readjust and cool off. So what does he do? Comes back the next day. How are you? With a little smiley face, you know. So it works. It, it, it doesn't seem like it would, but it does. You you all these people think, well, if I don't answer this person right away, or if I don't. Show them the, or provide them with the validation that they're looking for and the intention they're going to lose interest in me. That's not how it works at all. By withdrawing a little bit when they're starting to be jerks and leaving them on red, go go put your phone down and go do something else for, and wait for them to re-engage with you, you'll find that they've recalibrated. They've changed their tune. They're ready to be present with you. They're not going to mess with you. You know? So stuff like that, little brain hacks that I've had to (laughs) paying attention to the stuff that I've had to come up with and, and talk about at length on, in my stories on Instagram. And then of course on my blog. So
0: (laughs) I want to touch on a couple of your, uh, of, uh, of, of things you've mentioned here. And I think they seem intertwined. You mentioned masculinity and not approaching things from mm-hmm. a masculine way. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned uh, existing in a satirical reality and mm-hmm. and lack of con- common sense. Yes. As you've <laughs> weaved your narrative here over the, the last, you know, 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes or so, mm-hmm. it seems like those things are all intertwined. Does that sound about yeah. right?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Masculinity is a big problem, Uh, lack thereof, I should say. A lot of guys, you know, and I've had people come after me and tell me, well, you're a woman, you shouldn't be teaching teaching men how to be men, how to be masculine. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm a 46-year-old wife and mother. You know, I shouldn't be on the internet having to help men learn how to be men. I, I totally agree with that. But at the same time, it's just a testament to how lacking it is that I have a job <laughs> helping men with this, you know, and I, I do it rather well. Um, and and I attribute that to my upbringing because I had very strong male role models in my family. So they're, I got a bit of their masculine side um, etched into me in growing up in that environment. So I... I know what a man looks like. I know what a masculine man looks like. Um, you know, I married one as well as a result of that. So, a lot, a lot of what you hear these women online talking about—I want money, I want this, I want six foot, six figures, six inches. <clears throat> to me, that's a euphemism. Is I want a man they go online saying all this and that, but if they, if they had a masculine man sitting in front of them, I mean, the kind that just you, you, his masculinity is so palpable. It's, it's undeniable. doesn't matter how much money a man like that has a, a real powerful guy who's strong and, and emotionally uh, put together. He's, he can't, he can't, nothing phases him. And he, he's just, above it all and has this great presence about him, any woman's going to buckle under that. Because I, I have a lot of guys who don't have that kind of money. They're not even six foot tall. They don't have the fancy vehicles and all this and that. And they have women throwing themselves at them just through some basic, some pointers in their approaches with, as far as like body language and presence and stuff like that you know
0: literally throwing themselves at them
1: yes <laughs> with my star client owen he took out and took her out on the date and uh she invited him up to her apartment for a nightcap i mean obviously that she invited him up there for sex and he was like no i'm not doing that because i always tell my my male clients don't jump into bed with woman you need to but, let things play out over time to find out what kind of woman you're dealing with and how much she actually likes you. So <laughs> that's what he did. He was like, you know, I, I, pre- you know, I gotta get, a, I gotta go to work tomorrow, but maybe we can see each other uh, again soon. Gave her a hot kiss on the lips and, and sauntered away. And she was texting and calling, wanting more dates from him. She couldn't get enough of him. Did he use any cheesy pickup lines? No. Did he use any manipulative techniques? No. All he did was show up and be a man and present himself the way a man should. (laughs) And yeah, he's not the only client that I've had this happen to. Just recently I had another guy. (laughs) He had two of them in a row that were throwing themselves at him. Granted, the, the, the first one that did it was a little bit too crass and forward, and he wasn't turned on by that at all. And he ended up having a duster, but yeah, <laughs> just showing up and being a man. And I was having a conversation with one of the girls that I follow and She's been with me since the very beginning. She's all, you know, it's not so much that these guys have again, money or anything like that. It's just, you, you get a modern woman in the presence of a masculine man and they just go crazy, throw themselves at him, want, want to do everything they can to serve him want to do everything they can to try to lock them down in, in like and the women are just so messed up in that way. Now that they, they try to lock them down in ways that are just so desperate because <laughs> they're just not used to seeing that. It's always a simp they have a for every hundreds every 200 simps, they've got maybe two to three masculine guys, who who sustain their attention to to the extent they're throwing themselves at those guys too
0: for those who don't know let's define our terms simp
1: (laughs) simp is basically a guy who is placating and is desperate to get a girl to like him that doesn't like him that doesn't reciprocate his feelings Go. So it, it, it basically a, a guy that's ass kissing, <laughs> for lack of a better term.
0: <laughs> a beggar.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, and everything that he does is, no matter how cheesy or stupid, it is to try to get the woman to like him. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it doesn't work. It's never going to work. No woman is ever going to come to you from a position no woman is ever going to love you or respect you when you come to her from a subservient position such as that especially a very subservient position such as that to where you're basically like a dog begging for scraps from a woman you know
0: <laughs> you also mentioned the terms ghosted and dusted and often together uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'll line that.
1: Well, that definitely—if you're simping out here, that's what's going to happen to you, <laughs> unless she uh, decides to use you for favors and money for a little while. But oftentimes, women won't even give you any type of leeway in that. If they detect a simp in you, they'll just—they'll de- eliminate you right there on the spot. So that's another thing that I have to tell a lot of these guys: is like you need to put a lid on that simp stuff. I mean, do what you have to do—sit ho- on your hands or whatever. Put your phone down and and wait for that feeling to pass just whatever you do to don't give women the impression that you're a simp because they will they will dust you immediately that women have this hair trigger thing now where if they get any inkling that a man is a simp they'll just eliminate him ghost and dust him right there it, it, it's like i said it's a hair trigger thing that's so it just ticks off in their mind immediately and they're like, oh, another one of these dorky simp guys. I'm out. Uh, He's gone. He's eliminated entirely. Right from that point on, she'll never speak to him again.
0: Ghosting would be essentially disappearing, correct?
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And dusting, (laughs) dusting, as I've heard it, (laughs) is essentially uh, cutting the guy off at his knees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just get dusted. I mean, these are like Gen Z, (laughs) Gen Z millennial thing. I try to to keep up with the lingo, but yeah, essentially those are, you can get ghosted after, you know, being with someone for a few months even Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they just decide they don't want to uh, speak to you. But dusting, I guess, would be just like, bye. I'm never talking to you again. (laughs) It's leaving them in the dust. <laughs>
0: yeah, we've spent a bunch of time here so far talking about men and masculinity. Okay. So let's pivot to another term: modern woman. Mm-hmm. I, I see it a lot online. People using that as a as a as a combined phrase. That those are not separate. And modern woman as a a specific thing, those are generally the folks who, as you said, that they want the three sixes, the six foot, six inches, six figures, or how do you see it? How do you see them? And are you one of them?
1: Um, I guess it would depend on who you would ask, but some people that know me personally, like through that have been with me since day one, there was a good friend of mine. She's like, you don't even call yourself traditional or anything like that. And you live more of a traditional lifestyle than <laughs> all of these self-proclaimed trads. And it, it's true, I, I guess, to a certain extent. You know, I've been married to the same man for 20 years. We have three kids. Um, you know, we have a very good love life that uh, we don't have to... Do, rely on any outside information to, to cultivate that we've been attracted to each other. I don't know. just so many different, I've been cooking since I've been, I was nine years old, you know? So, and I've had guys tell me, get back in the kitchen. It's like, what are you talking about? I never left. I never left the kitchen. I've been cooking since I was nine. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that. But as far as like modern women, where they, They rush to pay half of everything, if not uh, finance a man's whole lifestyle, if they feel like it, move in with a man and cohabitate without a marriage, without a ring. Uh, A lot of modern women are cooking and cleaning for guys that aren't even committed to them whatsoever at all. You know, Um, no, I've never done any of those things. Mm -hmm. I never would. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm older and married now and off the market for many years. But I, even when I wasn't married, I didn't do those things that a lot of married, unmarried, modern single women do. I, I no, I wouldn't do any of those things.
0: When you coach and you interact and with these women, these modern women, what do you tell mm-hmm. them?
1: Mostly, what I'm seeing with, with the biggest problem with them by far is them trying to act like a wife for a man who was not committed to them at all. Um, they use the cooking and cleaning and sex as a way with men. They're they're not, some of them. They're not even dating the man. They're not even actively dating that person, but they're. You know what they call a situation ship. I've never been in one of those either, but um, yeah, they'll go, they'll act like a man's wife, like a rent a wife for a man who is zero interested in committing at all whatsoever. So I, I find myself telling that they, and I hate how they we ended up doing this, but um. They, they're splitting hair. So when should I cook for a man? When should I clean a man's apartment? When I was like, are you in a relationship with the man at all? I, and I, and, and I, I, it's probably a divisive line that I draw because I've, I have indicated in the past, I said, I've never cooked and cleaned for any man that wasn't my husband. I've only done that for one man and that was my husband. <laughs> and I'm not doing that for anyone else. So well, you have to audition for this. They, they need to know if you can fill that capacity. says, "No, he doesn't have to know that. I said you, he can come and look at your home and see what kind of um, cookware you have and make an assessment, a fair assessment that way. right? He can see what kind of cookware you have, what kind of food you got in a refrigerator. Maybe put some baked goods on the the oven the top of the stove there and leave him out, can help himself and have one. Men aren't stupid. A man can tell whether you're good at cooking and cleaning or not, but just by observing your living quarters. <laughs> I, I just don't buy this whole thing. Well, uh, you, you need to audition for a man for months and cook and clean for him. When it, there there isn't even any talk of commitment on the table at all. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I don't agree with that.
0: Is business good?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Kind of slowed down a little bit because my husband got sick. Um, he ended up with a brain tumor uh, we found out last oh. summer and I, I had to take a few months off um, later on in the year. I think it was, october to about january or february and then um i had some personal things going on and then now my mother-in-law's uh sick and dying so i mean it's just wow (laughs) it's been a torrent of just things that him and i have had to face in the past year so yeah my business is going good but it would have been going better if i you know didn't have all these catastrophic things happen but i mean that's life you know everybody's got problems
0: and terrifying
1: yeah very very but um, i'm so glad that my family we were able to pull together and and support each other and and then that that just made me realize just how much how important family really is how important marriage is and the people that you love you know (laughs)
0: Oh <laughs> Well, personally, like I, I've been going through it the last few months myself, as, uh, as folks mm-hmm. who follow my Substack know, my mom's been sick, she's, she nearly died, and is in a rehab facility now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a thing where you, you realize that there's something about having to actually fill out a form, where well, you have mm. to mention, man, if something happens to me. What? Who is going? Right. Who's going to be the person that comes mm. to help me out?
1: Yep. Yes. Yes. We had to do the same thing, Wills.
0: <laughs> yep. And as a young person, you don't really. It doesn't cross your mind. At least it didn't cross mine. No.
1: No. It, it, well, I mean, I've always... I had to fill out... We had to fill out living wills, though. Like, in the in the event of this. So, yeah. And it, I mean, I've had, you know, life insurance and all those types <laughs> of things set up for a long time. But it, as far as, like, making out a living will and, and the power of attorney and all sure. that, should anything happen, yeah. No, I... We had to do that, too, on top of it. So, you know, but I mean, that's life. (laughs) And then especially in midlife, all these things happen. (laughs) Things that you can't uh, control and you don't expect. But I mean, yeah. I would hate to be doing that alone. I'm very happy I have my husband, you know, (laughs) and vice versa.
0: Did it teach you... Did these experiences, are these experiences teaching you anything about relationships that you can share with the rest of the world?
1: Get married and have kids. I keep telling people that time is not going to v- slow down for you. Time waits for no man and went in, of course, you're not going to glean any of this in information from your peers and whatnot because they're in the same position as you are they think they're never going to get old they think that they don't have to plan anything everything will just take care of itself in the end um you know I I I don't have to grow up right now I don't need to have a family just keep kicking the can down the road then pretty soon you wake up and you're my age I'm 46 you know and then have end up with a sick husband and, you know, my kids are getting to the, the age where they don't really need me as much. So I have to grapple with that as well. And any person that I've been seeing a lot of these videos lately with older people who are like wealthy and stuff on Instagram. Uh, the number one thing they said is nothing else matters except your family, except the people that love you. <laughs> None of this other stuff matters there was a man i don't know who he was but he was successful he said what how would you define success some billionaire guy and he said you know how i would fi- define success is when your son gets on the phone with you every day and calls you because he misses you and he wants to catch up and and know how you're doing that he's actively in your life whereas you know because when you're old like that usually your kids they don't have as much to do with you as they did when they were kids, you know, so he measured success in terms of, uh, your grown children actively wanting to be in your life. And I agree with that. Totally.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I, I absolutely agree too. I feel like, because I, I haven't had kids, I haven't been married. Mm-hmm. And as I, uh, approach 40 quickly or about a year away. Mm-hmm. I, those are two of my biggest regrets so far. Um, yeah. and that it's like, uh, what was I waiting for exactly? Um, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you in hindsight and, and, but you know, there's obviously still time, little time, less time, but still time.
1: Mm-hmm. I people find love every day. But it ha- you you have to make that a priority as far as like <sighs> tending to your life, making sure that, you know, you got all your everything aligned and how you want it so that you can share your life with someone else. Another thing that they did, they encourage young people to do is be so selfish and infantile. Oh, nobody else matters. You can just show your rear end online all day and, and make these really cat nonsensical short-term choices for women you know like you were talking about only fans or something mm-hmm. that's a, a stain on their reputation that on the internet that's never never going to go away you know you're what are you going to do when you're 40 something and you're not married and you got all these videos online of you that are stored in some library somewhere where any potential man that maybe you you Find attractive that you would want to be with is successful, who isn't a, um, an online pimp or something like that, who's a respectable man in the community. You think he's going to come across that stuff and, and still want to marry you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially when he can find a, a woman who has a good reputation still. You know, I, I, the, this OnlyFans culture with these young women, it's like they have no idea how, how much of a stain that is on their, um, womanhood on their potential to to find like a decent guy, you know, (laughs) it's terrible, terrible.
0: Have you faced any pushback from, you know, that that's a pretty strong opinion that you brought out. You got, you're full of them. I mean, you should, Definitely check out Jenny's Instagram. It's full of many <laughs> strong opinions.
1: Yeah. What's the pushback
0: like, if any? Well, I, I don't. I don't. Know.
1: There's other. Uh, there's other people out here who are more vocal about women's. Um, well, I don't. Yeah, they they have a bigger audience than I do. I should say, but they're they're vocal about women's behavior now, and I, ha- I have been talking about that myself, and um, it's a mess. <laughs> it's such a mess with women that they're, they have such bad attitudes, very pres- promiscuous, no self-respect. They're not ladylike. Um, it's just so opposite of the way that my mother raised me to be and the, the environment I grew up in. Those the, those kind of girls would get sent away to the bad girls school. Back in my day, <laughs> like the, the girl was walking around like that, her parents would be ashamed of her. Not only that, but she she would need to go to a girls, like reform school, <laughs> to and, and because she got sent away in shame, and she needed to fix fix her behavior. <laughs> They don't even do that now. If anything, it's the people that get punished for bringing any of this up uh, as a, that you don't agree with it or that you don't advocate for it and that you're against it. You're the bad guy. You know, if you go on and say these only fangirls are sluts or something, they're like, "Eh, you're (laughs) slut-shaming. You know, (laughs) it's
0: like... Their power, there's obviously an attraction in terms of people who follow your content.
1: Uh huh.
0: And people reach out to you for coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have someone who's in their mid 40s, who's got a family, saying the things you're saying, confronting OnlyFans culture and, and you know, the similar programs who are confronting uh, uh, sort of this sort of more f- – you know, for lack of a better term, flippant approach to dating and in relationships. Why do you think uh, that we, the public, are interested in hearing from someone who who's not involved with that otherwise talk about it?
1: That's a really good question. Um... <laughs> and I've known this for a long time throughout my life is like people are, are older people with wisdom. They're indispensable, like be, people look up to them, no matter who it is. Um, I've had those figures in my life. My own mother, I had a couple of godmothers that were like that, just full of chock full of wisdom and. Um, the the, the traditional side of things like an old world grandmother. Obviously I'm not these children's grandmother or something, but there, there is a bit of a, a character play that I have. I possess that. And to these young people who are seeking a more traditional um, mindset and way to live, that is extremely refreshing to them. It's extremely um, valuable to them to be like the quasi little Italian grandmother to them. (laughs) You know, they love it. They eat it up. They love, they even love the um, old school language that I use that I grew up with my parents. (laughs) I'm using that, you know, some, some idiom that is archaic that, you know, they never heard before, but I mean, it was always something I heard when I was a kid. So You know, I'm 46, I'm a mom and stuff, but I I have brought with me into this, my mother and my grandmothers, my entire family's like wisdom, like traditional type of wisdom that I grew up with. And these kids are dying for that. They're just dying for it because they can't find it anywhere, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that begs another interesting question. What does your family think about your online persona? Do they know much about it?
1: Uh yeah, I mean they're like hey, it's mom, you know. My kids <laughs> don't particularly care about it because <laughs> you know, they don't want to they they're not involved in mom's career and stuff like that. I mean, they know who I am and they they see what I do online, but they they don't have any interest in that at all. They're teenagers, they have their own interests. My husband's really proud of me. And, you know, he, he encourages me to, he's like, because we talked about it before he got sick and I was like, this is my life's work. I intend to go as far as I possibly can with this for, because I want to help young people, especially, and he loves it. He was like, you know, I turned a profit in the first two years, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm no millionaire or mm-hmm. anything, but i most businesses, you can't even turn a profit in the first year you know, <laughs> and I, 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 you know, I, I made myself a pretty decent income from it, you know? So, and I, I get to do something that I love and that's connect with these, the, these younger people in a way that is made, is matriarchal and nurturing. My, my good friend, Alana told me, she's like, I love, cause my, my YouTube channel, she's all, like, I love your streams. They're nurturing. They're uh, like, it's like talking to a mom or a bigger sister or something like that. In my case, I think grandma is appropriate too, like a grandma, but at the same time, I have, um, I have like a football coach thing going with these guys. I just, I don't pull any punches when it comes to language with them. And I even had a guy tell me, he's like, I really like the way that you speak direct and frank and it gets our attention as men. Whereas a lot of these other guys online who are trying to teach guys to be masculine, they're using all kinds of bookish language that does, you know just sounds dorky. It doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Whereas it, I tell these guys, get your ass in there and <laughs> you know do this or that thing. And they're like, it gets their attention.
0: <laughs> How different are you at the kitchen table, or in a grocery store, than you are online.
1: Oh, I, I. This is me. This is totally me. Like I, <laughs> I don't know how I couldn't pretend to be anybody else. I don't think you know. <laughs> um, and I, I, when you get to this stage, you don't much want to. It's like what you see is what you get. You drop all kind. You drop any type of pretenses. That you might have had when you were younger because you just don't care anymore you don't care what um, age brings that sort of liberation with you where you just don't care about so many things that you cared about in the past you know but yeah no this is this is me <laughs> for better or for worse you know
0: flatly why should we get married?
1: <sighs> Marriage is the uh, as an institution is the backbone of any sane society. In my stream the other night, I was talking about it. I said this is like a communist thing, you know, the breakup of the family unit. The communist manifesto is is where they tell you to they want to break up the family unit so that you can be dependent on the state. The family is like you can look at a family as its own kind of um separate organism you got uh, the father who's the head of the household the leader the mother who looks to him and depends on him and then you got the children who look to the mother and the father and they have important roles in each of these people have an important role the dad's role is to instill values to provide direction to um, give kids a sense of um, strength and purpose that only a man can provide. A woman is there to, the wife is there to nurture a child and cuddle and love and in the, the way that only a, a woman can nurture a child, you know, and, and each child feels that different sort of love and respect for, for their mother and their father. Like when, for me, when I was a kid, I looked up to my daddy. He was the strongest man in the world to me. Most strongest, most heroic, most courageous man I've ever known. Being a daddy's girl was how I raised, I was raised. And to me, that was such an amazing gift to be able to be raised that way by a man that I, I completely respected, you know, and, and, again as uh, marriage provides us with purpose. Jordan Peterson talks about that. You grow up when you get married, you feel like I have to okay, now I have to show up and be accountable and be responsible for other people. And that that gives you a purpose, gives you a reason to get up every morning. And it, it's it, it's dutiful, but at the same time it's so fulfilling to serve the people you love in that capacity that no one else can. I mean, let's just be frank about that. You know, they have school teachers or whatever, but who do they come home to at the end of the day? You, the people that uh, they, they, uncond- they love unconditionally. Children look at you, the, they, if you're a good parent, they'll, they'll take care of you the rest of your life when you're old age.
0: Mm-hmm. As we've mentioned, I love <laughs> Go ahead. That's that's pretty clear. And I, I I think mm-hmm. that's crystal clear. I, I think I think the question, and I I think one of the things, just speaking for me personally, when I had a concern about regrets, mm-hmm. I think I think I don't speak for myself. I think a lot of people do as well. You know, taking that plunge earlier as you're as you're clearly endorsing do you have any regret about doing it that earlier no none
1: not at all no
0: no sliding doors no. moment in your past that you thought that maybe you would have a a whole different life
1: no no not at all i i never really i and then that was another thing with us in Gen X is we had such a great upbringing, such a wholesome um, fun, fulfilling, and not so uh, dangerous that we would make regrettable mistakes. <laughs> so I mean, we got to live like such a full life. if you, if you go around and you see, Certain Gen X couples, a lot of them have been married 20, 30, 35 years and stuff like that. I never really hear them say that they regret doing anything. Because we lived in the greatest culture as young people. So I think that had a lot to do with it. It's like we had such a fulfilling existence through our culture that there is no FOMO. What else are we going to miss out on? (laughs) We had wonderful romances, you know, puppy love romances. We got, uh, we had good gender roles where guys were guys and girls were girls. So we didn't feel like we had to get that straightened out later on in life. Like a lot of people do now. So I've noticed that though, like on, on the small, um, pockets of vo- actual vocal Gen X online. There aren't very many of us because we just, we're just just very low-key, uh, keep it under the radar. And that, and that also has to do with how great our culture was. Like, we lived that. No one could take that away from us. So by the time I, I got married, I had, I had already lived such a fulfilling existence in my life with our culture, with my family upbringing. I was ready (laughs) by the time I got married. I was like, I'm ready to be a mom. I'm ready to be a wife. I can't wait to get on with this part of my life for sure.
0: I have so much more. I'd like to ask you, but (laughs) our time is about up. I'd love to extend uh, an invitation to bring you right back for another time. If you are interested.
1: I would love to. That'd be great. I,
0: mm-hmm. I have a big, long list of things. I'd like to speak with you about body count because you, you've talked about okay. that a lot and,
1: right. <laughs>
0: um, and, and other, uh, other, other very interesting topics. So I, I look forward to our, our, our next engagement.
1: For sure. I would, I'm happy to come on. You just let me know when <laughs> well, Jenny, any famous
0: last words.
1: Get married and have kids.
0: Do it. (laughs) Jenny White, thanks for joining me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to all of the above. Let me know what you think wherever you're listening and do me a favor. Share it with a friend. You can follow my work at jamesbrowntv.substack.com. Paid subscribers get access to bonuses, including 10 The Hard Way, our members only show. You can reach me at james at rochesteraccent.com or jamesbrowntv at gmail.com. You can also leave me a message at 585-484-0339. We might have you on the show. I'm James Brown, and as always, be well.